Have you ever been in love? Anybody? <laughs> uh, sometimes it begins at a very early age with puppy love. Someone in uh, even kindergarten or uh, primary school. or We get a little bit older and uh, then there's those moments when uh, it's just the electric touch when you touch their hand. Do you remember those days? Or you risk putting an arm around somebody. Uh, Maybe even uh, risk that first kiss. Anybody remember this? So when you're in love and just to breathe the same air with them is just wonderful. Ah. Then there comes that shift of relationship when you are not just in love, but you love someone. Do you get the difference from that? Instead of you saying, I'm in love with you, to say, I love you. And you risk a little bit of yourself. You open up. You become vulnerable. You make a commitment to one another. And, and that has a wonder all of its own, but it also has a risk, doesn't it? When we open ourselves up like that, we can get hurt if it's broken. I was reading an article this past week. Imagine that as a pastor reading about love, and uh, the article was wondering about um, is it better to be the jilter or the jilted? What do you think? We would like to be in the power position, right? To be the jilter, to take the initiative and say, I don't love you anymore. And it really, really hurts to be the jilted. And I don't mean to be raw with you. Some of you are in a sensitive place today and um, broken relationships. I, I don't mean to step all over that, but do you have a sense of that? I mean, I, I can go back to girlfriends who said, you know, it's over, it's off, you know, I don't love you anymore. What are, are there, are there, I hate this part. You know, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's always you, okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It still hurts, doesn't it? Do you have a sense of that, of being the one jilted, the one who has been rejected? If you get in touch with that feeling, that's exactly how God feels here. The God we read about in this passage from Jeremiah, God says, uh, hey, you remember me? <laughs> Remember what I did for you? I'm, I'm the God who took you by the hand. I'm the God who led you out of bondage in, in Egypt. And you broke our covenant. Even though I was your husband. Did you get the language? Even though I was your husband, you broke the covenant. God says, you broke my heart. Do you get some sense of what God feels here? And of course, it's the Old Testament God, and so many people push at me and say, oh, the God of the Old Testament is so mean and harsh and full of revenge and getting back at people, but that's not how I read this passage. God says, I'm not out to get back at you. I'm out to get you back. I will take you back. God says, a new covenant I will make with you. We're in this series during the season of Lent on God's 
promises to us. Uh, the fancy biblical word is covenant, and already we've looked at the covenant God made with us in creation and the covenant that God renewed when God made it with Noah and that rainbow promise in the sky. And, and God made a promise to Abram and Sarah that they would have a multitude of generations after them. And this is not the first time God has renewed the covenant. God keeps coming back to us and saying, I want you back. I'll find another way. Even though you rejected me, even though I'm the jilted one, I still love you. I read the Bible story as a love story of God trying to find another way to get to our hearts and God overcoming God's broken heart. In this passage, God says, I'll cut a new covenant with you. That's the literal language. I'll cut a new covenant with you, and this time I'll engrave it on your heart. No more tablets of stone. I'll engrave it on your heart. Then you won't have to say to other people, know the Lord, because they will already know me. I was reading an article by one of my favorite scholars, John Holbert, and uh, what he said depressed me. He said, if you take this passage literally, no longer will you have to teach one another, uh, know the Lord. He said, then all of us preachers will be out of a job. <laughs> you know, I was going, you mean all those degrees that I've earned and the certificate and the spiritual direction and all those years of experience and passing uh, exams for the Board of Ordination and uh, it's all worthless? I don't have to do that? So I, I'm out of a job. And then I read another article by Walter Brueggemann, a great Old Testament scholar. And he said, um, think about Ferguson, Missouri. Have all hearts been engraved? Yes, I really do believe this. It, God has put that engravement upon all hearts, except for some of us, we have some clogging of the arteries. Huh? Hardening of the heart. And Walter Brueggemann was not letting me go. He was saying, uh, sometimes God needs to come to, to us through a prophet like Jeremiah and shatter our illusions that all is well now. This God whose heart is broken, his heart's still broken <laughs> over situations like Ferguson, Missouri. I'm not just talking about the racism that's inherent there and in our country and in our world. I've been doing more reflection about Ferguson, Missouri, and, and what really has gotten me now is the prejudice against the poor. Have you read all this stuff about the, the cash cow for that part of the world was to pick on poor people, to get them on minor offenses and throw them basically into debtor's prison. I, I'm, I'm, and, and that's why there's such a strong reaction in that part of the world. And it still goes on. We still need to write the rest of the story, this love story, we need to, as, as followers of Christ, live out God's justice. That, that's what the word knowing means in this passage. No longer will you have to teach because they will all know me, it says in the passage. Jeremiah, if you read Jeremiah just a couple of chapters before this, to know the Lord is to practice justice, is to do right by other people. It's, it's not just a bunch of 
of theology that you've learned or taken in information. It's not even an emotional response to God. It's to treasure God in that relationship so much that you want to treat other people like God has treated us. And the only way we can do that is to take that last verse of this passage to heart. God said, I will forgive their sins. I will remember their sins no more. That's our only hope is to live with this God who's been jilted, <laughs> who says, I take you back over and over and over again. And sometimes when we experience that forgiveness, we actually can practice that with others. We have two musicians here from Monterrey, Mexico today. They're going to play the offertory for us in just a moment. I got to meet these two guys just very briefly during the week. They have a story about this. Monterrey. They and uh, many other young men were tried to press into uh, being a part of the world of narco-terrorism there. Yes, they didn't want to do that. They had another way that God had put on their hearts, and that was to provide music in the schools and other settings. And when they started to do this, they got picked on. I'm not saying this following Christ, this living into this promise is easy. They had to escape there. Their lives were at risk. They've come here and you've continued to play, but you've continued to tell your story. And I know you'd be happy to share with others here. You are our neighbors. We are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all do this together. That's what this passage is about. The promises are not just to individuals, they're to the community in a community that lives for justice, for making right relationships amongst all God's people. The story's not over yet. The love story is not ended. On the back of your bulletin there, did you see that? Did, did you take the bulletin? There's, there's a place that says, what is God engraving on your heart? <clears throat> I really do believe this, <laughs> that God puts persons and puts situations and opportunities upon our hearts. The passage said, I will engrave my promise, my covenant upon your hearts. Who's on your heart this day? Maybe, maybe even do that. Touch your heart. Who's on your heart? Who's on your heart today? Yeah. What's on your heart and you don't have to save the world. I'm asking you to take one step, that, that, that one thing that God is placing upon your heart today. I know one place that God has <coughs> placed upon my heart is about payday loans in the state of Texas. And again, another one of those situations where we pick on the poor. You know, it's just easy pickings, it seems like. And uh, th thank you, I'm getting some nods. I mean, exorbitant interest rates and just kind of this vortex, this whirlpool of sucking people down and, uh, oh, you can't make that payment, so you re roll it over and just go deeper and deeper in debt. And legislature's meeting right now. <laughs> uh, there are poor amongst us in the state of Texas. Kathy and I go out to eat breakfast uh, Friday or Saturday morning at HEB South. We always get the same thing. I always get yogurt and uh, berries and uh, fruit and uh, Kathy always gets South Austin Amigas, and it's 12.82, and we sit at our same table, and um, 
she has coffee to drink and I have water, but I always get the Austin Chronicle, and I read there, and maybe you saw it this past, you read there about the state of Texas and the miracle in the state of Texas, and then you read the counterpoint. We do it on the backs of the poor. I could quote you statistics. I, I could do that, but I don't want to. You can look them up. We don't fare very well in the state of Texas when it comes to those who are uninsured, when it comes to children in poverty, when it comes to lack of access to health insurance. I just, I'm not going to dump on you, but what's God placed on your heart? Could you write something there maybe on that back sheet of the bulletin? Maybe when you leave worship today, you hold yourself accountable. You tell that person you came to worship with or someone in the pew beside you and you said, this is what God has placed on my heart. I, I really do believe this, that God won't let us go, <laughs> that the love story's not over. And our hope is that God says, continues to say, I'll take you back. <laughs> Whatever wrongdoing you've done, I forgive you. And I'll remember your sin no more. And in that hope, we can forgive others. And we can take some steps maybe to make that love and forgiveness more evident in this world. I do believe that God continues to renew the promise. It's not over yet. That's the good news I have to share with you this day. Amen.